there was a a much smaller gap between people who would consider themselves a, a median Democrat and a median Republican. Hey everyone, let's dive into a freaking super interesting topic today. I am very excited and intrigued even more so to talk about the myth or the perceived myth or perhaps both of America's politically moderate. So I think something that's come up a lot in recent years, especially something that I've I've given a lot of thought to in recent years is what is America's politically moderate? First of all, what does that even mean? And then second of all, does it exist? And then third of all, if it does exist, to what to what percentage does it exist? You know, to what degree does it exist in the real world? So I guess the first thing we should do here is define who or what is is politically moderate. So I guess politically moderate could be a lot of different things. And we're going to examine this in greater detail in a moment here. But the first thing first thing I want to take a look at is what what are the various types of political moderation that that are out there so on one hand you have people who are independent they don't identify at all with someone or with with any I guess major political party so they just say I'm not nece- I'm not necessarily undecided but I don't identify with any of the major parties out there or certainly certainly not the major two parties Democrat and Republican then you have people who say they're moderate and they would be happy to identify with any party that they felt offered moderate solutions or moderate policy proposals or moderate candidates in many cases so they they could they're kind of like your swing voters they might vote Republican one time they might vote Dem- Democrat another, and they're they're happy to put their vote behind the candidate that they feel is going to best serve the interests that they have politically speaking. And then you have people who are undecided and who either I guess never vote, you could say, because they never decided, or they're undecided up until the last minute and they just kind of go with their gut. These are typically the people who are lesser lesser of two evil type voters. They want to vote for someone who in their eyes, is good and is going to get a good job done, but might not necessarily be the same the same choice they would have made if they had done a lot of homework or research on it. That's, that's just my take on it. We're going to look at 538's, I would say, very accurate analysis. Uh, this comes from just two years ago. This is an article by Lee Drutman uh, in 2019, and he... Um, presumably he could be she. Uh, Lee is talking about, and I and I quote, the murky middle of the electorate. Unquote. So this article is really breaking down. The goal was to try and figure out, like, you know, who 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 are moderates? Where are moderates going to vote? What you know? What are they? Who are they going to vote for? Things of that nature, and really just trying to break down what even is a moderate? Is that a real thing? You know, are are most are most Americans politically moderate? I thought they were, and they might still be. But we're gonna take a look at this article here and, and see see what Lee has to say. So 
This is again coming from the, the article. This is a, a voter study group from 538. So apparently about 32.8% of people identify as as moderates. And this, this was in regards to the 2020 election before results came out, obviously. So about 32%, 33% say they're moderate. But within that, there's more of the breakdown, like I said. Some people might say they're independent and moderate, or moderate and undecided, or all three, moderate, independent, and undecided. So about 22.2% of that 32.8% are, they say they're moderate only. About 5.3% say they're independent and moderate. 5.2% of 14.9% of independents say they're independent only. This is, I mean, this is like, I'll put a link to the uh, article in the description below, but this is like a, a triple Venn diagram, basically. So essentially, 2.4% of independents and undecideds and moderates say they're all three. About 1.9% of people who say they're independents and undecideds say that they're undecided and independent. <laughs> It's probably getting more confusing than it's worth. It's definitely worth checking out. But really what, what this is saying is there's it's it's a lot it's a lot less black and white than, than people think. There's there's not quite as much of a you know large large voting block of, of just people who are moderates and, and that's not even quite the definition of a block because a voting block is a group of people who decide to uh, they they might have differing views on some issues, but they decide to all rally behind a candidate to say, "Hey, we're we do differ on these things, but this candidate is, is the closest to all of our collectively identified policy preferences." And so we're we're just going to vote as a block behind this person and hope that they are going to fulfill what we want, what most of us want this person to fulfill. But essentially, yeah, this five thirty eight is. This 538 article is really interesting because it, it, it breaks down in a, in a data-driven perspective what people are thinking and the fact that people are often, you know, viewing things from a very different perspective, not only just from being a moderate, but from the left and the right. So they go on to say that independent voters are wildly, uh, dis, you know, distributed across the ideological political map. And so independents are, yeah, I mean, some, some are extremely socialist-minded. Some are, are very libertarian-minded. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a chart now that's, that's plotting people's responses on pro-immigration or anti-immigration. Um, it's surprising to see, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, who apparently are anti-immigration and, and more market-oriented, and then there's a lot of people who are very pro-immigration and very egalitarian rather than being market-oriented. It's interesting because the, the least the least populated quadrant on this, this map here is pro-immigration and market-oriented, which that, that would definitely be the libertarian, uh, that would be definitely be the libertarian quadrant, and that's where I would place myself as well. I think it's the, it's the quadrant that is you know, most people are least educated about. I think I think a lot of people do kind of fit in the zone of 
mildly or very conservative versus mildly or very liberal. And in, in some ways we could say that is, uh, you know, mildly or very Trumpian versus mildly or very Bernie Sanders. Ian. <laughs> um, but uh, it's also interesting because if you actually look into it, Donald Trump and, and Bernie Sanders actually share some some political policy views. They're they're both, you know, they're both cracking down on immigration um, and, and not taking a stance that is very favorable towards immigration. They're both populist leaders. One just happens to be on the left and one just happens to be on the right. And, you know, one tends to attract a lot of older voters and one tends to attract a lot of younger voters. Bernie's, a lot of Bernie's support comes from younger voters and, and younger people in general. So, yeah, really interesting to think about. Um, so it says, yeah, and, and, and they go on as well to break it down between independents, moderates, and then undecideds. So, and it, it really is, I mean, it's, it's very, it looks like moderates tend to lean in a more uh, socialist and socially liberal direction as well. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot in that quadrant here for this map. So, yeah, the, 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 the moderation of the American political voter is, is a lot more skewed and a lot more, uh, a lot more just complex than, than we think it is. It's also true, I'm going to continue to look at some, some Pew Research articles here as, as we continue to talk, but the political polarization has also continued quite a bit in America and and it's and it's continued to a, a very a very strong degree and as as one side has pulled more in one direction the other side has pulled more in their direction and so this is another thing I, I really wanted to get at before we get into I guess some of my personal commentary is Democrats and Republicans are more ideologically divided than in the past this comes from fairly recent uh, Pew Research article in, in 2014. So I'm just going to read some of the stuff that I'm seeing here, and, and then we'll get more into the discussion portion here. So in 1994, uh, Pew, so by the way, Pew Research has been doing a lot of great research on a lot of different social and political and, and just cultural information. I really enjoy going to them for uh, political information and, and data. It just helps me understand more of everything from a, a survey-driven perspective. So, 1994, there was a, a much smaller gap between people who would consider themselves a, a median Democrat and a median Republican. And they're, they're showing that the, the gap widens across the next four years. So into 2004 and 2014, they surveyed people on a scale of 10 political values and just wanted to see like how you know how far did the left move to the left and how far did the right move to the right and so i mean this this is just one source but it it does show that the democrats moved further to the left faster than the republicans moved to the right and back in 1994 there was a lot of overlap between democrat and re republican voters as i'm seeing here and 
you know, 2004, the, the Democrat bubble started getting bigger and started moving more to the left. And the, the Republicans actually started moving closer to the middle, believe it or not. Part of that could be maybe some, you know, libertarian values were, were starting to show up a little bit more in, in 2004. That could have definitely been a time where, you know, I'd have to do more research on this to, to speak uh, more educated on this, but uh, I, I could definitely see 2004 being a time where Republicans wanted to kind of win some ground back and, and not be not be seen necessarily by certain groups of people uh, the way that they might have been seen at that time. But it does show in, in 2014, the Democrat slash consistently liberal side continued to move further to the left, but th this is when the Republicans also, uh, the, the voters, uh, sorry, the people surveyed on the 10 political values, the Republican bubble started moving pretty heavily to the left as well. So it's, or sorry, to the right. <laughs> Can't speak today, apparently. Long story short, Democrats slash liberals moved faster to the left and earlier than Republicans moved more conservative or to the right. Let's keep looking at uh, some of the actual questions and values that the people were surveyed on during the same time period so we can see just how just how much things changed. It's, it's kind of wild to see this. So one other direct quote here from Pew Research is, uh, this is really interesting to see, they asked people, is government is, is government almost always wasteful and efficient? Or I guess basically asking people to say if they think government is almost always wasteful and efficient. Looks like about 74% of conservatives at the time said yes. About 59% of Democrats at the time said yes. And this is astonishing. In 2004, Democrat, it was 48% of Democrats and 46% of Republicans. So actually more Democrats at that time were saying government is almost always wasteful and inefficient. But then Democrats went back down to 40% in 2014. And Republicans shot back up to 75%. I think without taking more time to look at this, I would have to say a lot of this has to do with is your preferred candidate in in office because many times people will be okay with what the other side says is wasteful spending if, if their preferred person is in power because think about it i mean if if trump was going to use money for something the republicans would be totally okay with it and they'd be like well it's trump it's our guy he can do whatever he want you know he can do whatever he wants but then same thing would be with democrats if if obama or you know, Biden or any any other liberal, you know, JFK, uh, Democrat president, doing doing what they want him to do, and and basically being a, a panderer to them, it's the same idea. So it's it's really people are are very inconsistent in this stuff sometimes. If if they are, if if the person that they prefer is in power. They will be okay with any sort of spending for the most part. It's unfortunate, but true. And yet, people have still stayed consistent on some things. Another very interesting thing to see is back in 1994, Republicans and Democrats, again, used to be very, very close on this. 
Another question was, stricter environmental laws and regulations cost too many jobs and hurt the economy? In 1994, 39% of Republicans said yes. 29% of Democrats said yes. And then all the way into 2014, 59% of Republicans said yes, stricter environmental laws and regulations cost too many jobs and hurt the economy. And Democrats have stayed consistent on that. Only, only a quarter of Democrats say stricter environmental laws and regulations cost too many jobs and hurt the economy. So you can really see people's colors there too, no pun intended. Many Democrats do care more about the environment, almost no matter what cost it comes to the economy, than Republicans do. So that was a, a big disparity there. Another really interesting one I want to point out is when people, when Pew asked, homosexuality should be discouraged by society. In 1994, 58% of Republicans said yes, 42% of Democrats said yes. But now get us up to 2014, only 43% of Republicans say yes, and only 22% of, of Democrats say yes. So, yeah, that is, that is interesting that, that both political parties, um, it, that's gone down. That's, that's something that you, you don't typically see. Usually it's, it's, uh, the charts are splitting off a little bit more rather than being consistent. Um, there's obviously still a disparity, much higher percentage of Republicans saying yes to that than Democrats, but the fact that that was consistent, I think that shows not only are people's views on homosexuality or LGBT community changing, um, I think people's moral or philosophical or even religious views, it's changing there as well. Um, I know that I, I personally, not being someone who's LGBT and also being someone who's Christian, I have very different religious views about this than I do political views. I try to keep religious stuff and political stuff separate. That's how it should be. Church and state should be separated. It's kind of the whole point of freedom of religion is that we don't have a government that's telling us you have to bow down and worship XYZ or implicitly or explicitly, I should say. But that, that is, you know, kind of the point is that people should be free, um, regardless of their sexuality, to make the decisions that they want to make. That's a core a core tenet of what I believe as a libertarian. So, yeah, just, just some really interesting things. But I think I think the most um, I think the best place we can start to get into some of the more personal commentary on this stuff is thinking about the fact that mo most Americans, for what many people call kitchen table issues, at the end of the day, that is, that is really what a lot of people care about. Most people care about their families, their jobs, their health, and their happiness. That is pretty much what sums up most people's political leanings in, in some way or another. Yes, there are people who, you know, they are single and, th and that's what they want to do and they spend their lives um, helping to clean up the earth or committing themselves to a particular career or they... I don't know. You know, they some people don't don't have a life where they've committed to a family, and that's totally fine. Uh, or some people are married and they don't have kids. It's totally fine too. It's it's whatever whatever people want to do, right? But I think the most interesting thing is the media and politicians, of course, and just each other as a society. We all these things contribute to a a, a place and a dialogue where 
people can't honestly look at their political options and say, hey, I, I actually agree with you on, you know, six out of 10 of these issues, but these other four are really important to me. And I have a, I have a different view. Um, and I think too often we allow that kind of four out of 10, so to speak, to say, hey, um, I don't think I can, I don't think I can work with this. And so I'm going to vote for the other party just because these other things are important or because it's not a perfect 10 out of 10 match. So I think number one is we have to, as a society and, and as, an, as a nation, we have to be willing to say, hey, most of the time, most people agree with each other on most issues. I, that, that still seems to be generally pretty true. I'm going to continue to do research on that and see if I'm right or wrong. But I would, I would have to imagine that, you know, most, most people in, in some respect want, want everybody to have jobs. People want, people want people to have, um, a way to make a living and a way to support their families. That is what everyone is after, right? Everyone is after, everyone is after the possibility of a brighter future, being able to provide for themselves, their families, take some time off be able to give gifts at holiday times, things like that. It is it is a very sad story, and I guess this is number two, that we, we allow the media to shape and dictate our political viewpoints and the, the things that we think are right versus wrong. We we pay attention to media outlets and we we look we look for certain information from certain people. And we, we pretty much just go along with what they say because we trust them to be the experts and we trust them to be, if not nonpartisan, at least to be telling the truth. But therein lies the problem, is the truth has to be nonpartisan because you can't, you can't generate a consistent worldview without looking, without looking at things truthfully. And in order to look at things truthfully, you have to be willing to look at both sides. You can't you can't understand a person, let alone a life, when the person when you only know the good things about a person. You have to be able to understand the entire person and everybody's made mistakes. But I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here. But yeah, that is essentially number two, is that we, we allow the media to dictate our understandings and beliefs about political issues far more than we should. Number three is that and this is my personal favorite to talk about because I think it's the biggest issue out of any of these issues is we have, as Americans, we've accepted in large part the idea that there's only two parties that can ever work. Now, I understand that our, our particular system of government is set up in such a way that U.S. politics rewards politicians who work in a way where winner takes all right so it's i understand that that's that's how things work and you you have to have enough of a majority in addition to the electoral college to be able to really get your your party anywhere i mean especially if we're talking about you know presidential elections yes the electoral college matters but really what we're facing is the idea that a a duopoly is all that we'll ever have, and we just have to deal with Democrats and Republicans for the rest of our lives. And 
not only have third parties won in many, both past and present, um, U.S. political elections, many times at the local level, not only has that, that already happened, it can continue to happen. But we have to be able to, as individuals, we have to be able to look past the, the two-party system that the media, the schools, the government itself, and other institutions peddle. Because it's the same idea that, you know, this meme has gone around a lot where it's like, if, you, if you're going out to get food and your friend says, well, you have to pick McDonald's or Burger King. You can't go anywhere else. Well, you could say, well, I want Taco Bell. And your friend says, no, you have to pick McDonald's or Burger King. You can't go anywhere else. And you just kind of look at them funny and it's like, no, I want to go to Taco Bell. So I'm going to go there. It's the same idea. Burger King and McDonald's are not losing money because Taco Bell is gaining money. We're going to have to go. We're going to have to use a full episode at a future point to go into full depth about all the myths about voting third party and how people say a vote for a third party is just a vote for the opposing party or whatever, where it's like saying a vote for a third party is a vote for Hillary or a vote for a third party is a vote for a Trump. Uh, that's just not how it works. That's not how it works in the real world. That's not how it works in the political world. You're not, you're not taking a vote away from one party and giving it to another by doing a third vote, third party vote. And that's another thing that people say is, you know, it, if, if you're consistent with that logic, that means you voted not once, but three times, because both both of the two sides are going to say, well, if you voted third party, that means you voted for the, the party that opposes me. But if you're consistent with that, that would mean you voted for both of the duopoly parties and the third party. And so that logic just doesn't hold up. It's just, it's not consistent it doesn't recognize the fact that by going with a third option, you're not you're not taking anything away. It's it's not a it's not a zero zero sum game where you know everybody everybody loses because you decided to go a different route. It's every it's everybody can do what they want. You can you can also not vote. You can you can choose not to vote for any candidate out there, and that's just as powerful if not more powerful than giving your vote to a third party or, or even, you know, anything else. So there's, there's a lot to unpack. Another really interesting article that I want to take a look at here, also from Pew Research, and this is uh, more recent than 2014, is they polled people on, you know, what, what do you think would happen or what's your opinion of if Trump won or if, or if Biden won? And so, 89% of Trump supporters said they would be very concerned about the country's direction and Biden's election would lead to lasting harm to the U.S. And 90% of Biden voters said they would be very concerned about the country's direction and Trump's election would lead to lasting harm to the U.S. So that is that is massive. And the, the only... The only real difference here, because that's just a one percentage point difference, is 3% more of Trump voters said they would not be very concerned if Biden won, as opposed to 
1% of Biden voters who said they would not be very concerned if Trump won. So obviously also very small numbers, but that's really the only difference between these charts here uh, is that fewer Trump, su Trump voters, Trump supporters, I guess, would be, uh, I, I, I should say more, more Trump supporters would be not very concerned than, than Biden supporters would have been. So it's, I mean, it's so interesting how I personally, you know, do Biden and Trump have their differences? Yes, they absolutely do. And Biden, now that he's president, he's taken a lot of executive actions. He's a lot of his executive actions have been about very different things and, and in many times, you know, completely polar to some of the actions that Trump took. But the fact that he, but both Trump and Biden really hammered down on those executive, those executive orders that actually makes them more similar than less similar because if if there was a, a real difference between them in that regard, you would have seen one who would have done a lot and one who would have done very few, if any at all. That would have been a real difference because that would have been what a president should do is not consolidate and, consent, uh, and centralize power as the, I guess, executive figurehead. They, a real president who is concerned with freedom and trying to decentralize power and really mitigate the effects, both societal and otherwise, that he would have, a president would, would use fewer executive orders because they would understand, like, hey, I'm I'm just a part of the puzzle. I'm, I'm not responsible for doing everything here. I don't, you know, necessarily need to be the the kind of artificial movement of the cabinet and the administration that's behind me that's that's what a president who would be concerned with the american people's good would be doing because that's what a president should do the president actually shouldn't have a lot of power the president isn't supposed to have a lot of power the power really more so rests in congress and frankly obviously most most power rests in the hands of people and it's really a time for americans to be saying hey we're we're gonna we're essentially going to take take the power back. You know, we we never really lost it, but we're gonna we're gonna act like we have it again because that's that's really that's really what is going on here. Another thing that's absolutely worth covering here in this same article about the now divide uh, between Biden and Trump supporters slash voters. They polled people on the economy, healthcare, Supreme Court appointments, coronavirus, coronavirus outbreak, foreign policy, and abortion. It's very interesting to see that on some issues, Democrats and Republicans really haven't changed a whole lot, or at least they're 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 still both pretty moderate, even maybe more so than they had been in the past. Stuff like abortion and foreign policy, Democrats and Republicans haven't really moved much. It's about half and half as far as when people were when when registered voters were asked what is in what is important to them in the 2020 presidential election who they would pick about 50% Democrats said it was important about 53% of Republicans said foreign policy was important so that's that's pretty much half and half I mean granted that that's not necessarily meeting in the middle but it it is saying that people are closer to moderation as far as 
really just not being concerned about it. But then you look at something like the coronavirus outbreak where only 24% of Republican registered voters were saying that this was very important in influencing their their vote for last year's election versus 82% of Democrats. So massive, massive, massive difference there. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot going on here. This is uh, hopefully not just a data, data-driven data episode where I'm just throwing a bunch of statistics out there, but the numbers are important because it helps us wrap our minds around what is going on, what are the what are the real issues that people are allowing, you know, to influence them or, or choosing to uh, say this is really important to me. And I'm really glad that Pew also pointed out social media because that is something I, I have to agree is is of utter importance. I mean, social media has been around for a little over a decade now, at least in large part. Obviously, we've we've had the internet much longer, but sites like Facebook, Twitter, even YouTube. Um, I feel like Facebook and, and Twitter do drive quite a bit of it, but obviously it's it can be any social media platform. It can be TikTok, it could be YouTube, it could be Instagram, it could be it could be Parler, it could be Vine, it could be anywhere. And social media has just I feel like inflamed these discussions where before the internet and and especially before social media, you could just. When you're done with the day or you you know you were you weren't hanging out with people all day you would just kind of go home and live your life you had the privacy of your home and you could just kind of enjoy the peace and quiet both psychologically and physically but now with social media you can be online at any time of any day and people often are and they're looking up past tweets and past photos and things like that and trying to figure out where people stand on certain issues trying to figure out what sort of dirt they can dig up on someone. They, they're getting into feuds. Social media gives people a very false sense of courage because you can sit behind your computer screen and or your phone and you can just type out whatever you want. And it could be someone you know or it could be someone that you don't know. And it just gives people this, this entitled sense of self-righteousness of just because I can put out my opinion, then I can say whatever I want or... Just because you disagree with me or I disagree with you, that means I have to say something. Well, as it turns out, no, it doesn't. You don't have to say something just because you disagree with someone. And in fact, a sign of maturity is not getting into an, uh, an argument with everyone that you disagree with. You can be completely, you can have completely different views than someone on a particular issue that, that might be really important to them and you. But you don't have to get in their way about it. You can be great friends with people who you have very different views with. I have a number of close friends who I, I disagree with pretty vehemently on a lot of issues, or even just some, but that doesn't have to influence the fact that I'm friends with them and that they're friends with me. I think we're losing touch with this idea of you can differ with someone and still be friends with them, or you can... You can have differing viewpoints and still respect and appreciate a person for the work they do and the person that they are. I feel like we're losing touch with this sense of community and even beyond community, just just respect and friendship and, and feeling like you don't, not everyone is out to get you and you don't have to be out to get everyone else. It's something that is, is really missing from discourse today. And, and I'm, 
I'm hoping in, in part with Bigger Hearts, Deeper Minds by bringing that back with just my own thoughts and future guests. We, we need to get to a point where we can talk about difficult issues. We can talk about things like, like guns and, and the tragic violence sometimes associated with them. We, we should be able to talk about abortion. We should be able to talk about human trafficking. We should be able to talk about the economy and, and inflation and education and healthcare. And so as I continue to go forward, with this show, I'm going to continue to tackle these issues and hopefully I'll get a little bit more eloquent in explaining my thoughts about them. But I think the biggest thing is we have to, everybody should feel like they have a seat at the table. And more importantly, anyone who wants to have a seat at the table should be able to speak respectfully and, and coherently. And of course, that's not a requirement. Being a libertarian, nothing is really a requirement, but there is a strong argument to be made for the fact that you can you can learn a lot and you can teach people a lot by being someone who's respectful to talk with, someone who's interesting to talk with, someone who can really defend their viewpoint without getting defensive. I think that's I think that's really what we're we're missing. Being able to defend a view without getting defensive. So on that thought, I will leave it. There's probably going to be a lot more coming on on this particular subtopic as well. But thank you for tuning in for today's episode, and I look forward to hearing or seeing you in another episode. Bigger Hearts, Deeper Minds offers a email list where people can subscribe and get exclusive content, behind the scenes, peeks at things, as well as merch discounts, upcoming events, and a lot more that the public just simply does not get. So send an send a blank email to bhdm at bcast.email and you'll be signed up for our list. Again, that is bhdm at bcast.email and you'll be automatically subscribed to our list. Look forward to hearing more from you guys and I really appreciate you supporting the show.